Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock, to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Back again, it's Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair back once more is Nick Suss covers Ole Miss for the Clarion Ledger and today's guest Ole Miss baseball strength and conditioning coach Zach Boone fall ball's got about two weeks left I've talked to a lot of other strength and conditioning coaches at Ole Miss Riley Allen for basketball Paul Jackson for football never done baseball but Zach's got a lot of interesting things to cover not the least of which the Omaha challenge what the hell is it he breaks it down he tells you what the Omaha challenge is and why it's such a big deal for Ole Miss baseball. That's coming up about 10, 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. I just now sat down to talk to Nick. We don't know where we're going to go with this, but it's always good to welcome him in. Nick, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Ben, what's up? Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming on. A lot to cover in this edition of Talk of Champions. I'm not going to talk to you about baseball. Football is in season. Basketball is now in season. The Mississippi College exhibition was Monday night. Ole Miss handled Mississippi College. It was sloppy, but Ole Miss won 69-43. Nice. And football, a lot going on as far as on the field and off the field. The number one topic in Ole Miss sports right now for Nick Suss is what? Oh, gosh. I think it continually, as it has been for a month, comes down to what the heck is going on at quarterback. That's the thing everyone wants to talk about. And until 
there's an AD in place, I think that's going to be the number one question because the whole AD situation is there is a search committee. We we know what they're talking about. We know what their qualifications are. It, it doesn't really get interesting until they start interviewing folks. But right now, if you're focusing about the football field, it's been three games of this Plumley corral rotation, and it seems to be somehow worse than it was with just Corral and worse than it was with just Plumley. And I don't know if you can blame that on the rotation or if that's the opponents they were playing, if there are other circumstances that have happened late in the season. But the offense is just in tatters right now, it seems like. They're going to beat New Mexico State. How bad are they going to lose to LSU? Well, I, I think a lot of that comes down to what happens between LSU and Alabama. If, that, if LSU wins, LSU is just going to be riding high and they're going to come in and play one of the best games you've ever seen LSU play. But if they lose, I mean, there's an opportunity for a letdown game. I, I don't think LSU would lose that game by any stretch of the imagination. But we've seen it happen before where LSU loses to Alabama and then the next week they go out and play pretty crappy against a team like Arkansas or Ole Miss. So I wouldn't say it's going to be a, a pleasant game for Ole Miss when LSU comes to town. Here's the deal. Ole Miss has not been embarrassed in any game this year. Say what you want to about not winning any winnable games, and that's a problem. That's something I have preached about on this podcast countless times. But to their credit, it's not the embarrassment as far as these top-end SEC teams going up against them that it used to be. And that's something, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I would say between the Arkansas game and the Vanderbilt game, there was a six-week stretch where this team actually looked good. And that's not to say they looked great, but I mean, even against Cal and Alabama in those losses, they looked like a competent team, a good team. Something sort of fell off, starting with that Missouri game, and I can't put my finger on what it's been. If that team that played against Alabama played against Missouri or A&M or uh, Auburn, I think they might have had a chance to win any of those games. But something's different. And, and can you put your finger on it? I, I really have no idea what it is. Offensive regression. Defense is adjusting to John Rice Plumley and the predictability of the offense with how the coaching staff, specifically Rich Rod, calls plays for John Rice Plumley. Back then it was new. You didn't know what John Rice Plumley was. But now, so many games later, you do. They're not going to allow him to at least try to push the ball down the field. I've heard all of this criticism, and some of it justifiably so. You mentioned this the first time we talked about John Rice Plumley on this podcast. He's not an accurate passer right now, but they're not even giving him a chance to complete passes across the middle. They should be one of the better screen teams in the country. They're not. So I think the biggest difference now is defensively they're the same they're competitive they've been really strong but offensively defenses have adjusted and rich rod has not which is why for for quite a while i have been advocating for the idea of keep the qb rotation but just flip who is the primary and who's the secondary continue rotating plumley in as a change of pace but let corral be the main guy so you can start working in screen passes you can start working in downfield passes you can theoretically use the middle of the field if rich rodriguez remembers that exists there are there are a lot of options for what you can do if corral is your primary guy and then you work in plumley as a change of pace maybe he runs every time maybe he shows what he can do with his uh, arm a little bit maybe he lines up the way the saints use Taysom hill if people want to get kind of generic with that comparison but i just think if you flip who uses whom and when they're used, this could be an effective approach. But when Plumlee's your primary and you go an entire half without bringing in Corral, you're right. You get pretty predictable. 
Matt Corral is going to transfer. The body language has shifted from great teammate to now he's frustrated, and I don't blame him. Yeah, I think that the thing we have to monitor is Corral is smart enough to wait to see what happens with the coaching staff before he declares a transfer. Because if there's a new head coach coming in or if there's a new offensive coordinator coming in or any of that stuff and it's, it shifts the scheme, I think Corral is smart enough to know, hey, stick around. I can probably win a competition with a new staff. But if it's the same staff going into next year, you, you are more than likely right. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions with Nick Suss, let me tell you about my bookie and impact by Ironwood. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. College football season is wrapping up, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Bet with the best at MyBookie. Best part is if you join right now, MyBookie will double, double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. That's promo code TOC to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Here's what I know about the AD situation. If Keith Carter gets the job, Matt Luke is 100% getting another year. If John Hartwell gets the job likely Matt Luke gets another year. I've heard a rumor, and it's just a rumor. Take all of this with a grain of salt. But you want to hear rumors. That's why we're here. You want to know what we're hearing. John Hartwell loves Dave Aranda, and if something doesn't work out or whatever, and he's the hire, and maybe he wants to go a different direction, Dave Aranda would be the first person he targeted. But Keith Carter would give Matt another year. John Hartwell probably. I have no idea with Charlie Hussey. Actually, with Charlie Hussey's candidacy, Charlie has applied, and Charlie is an Ole Miss guy through and through. Was raised in Oxford, went to Ole Miss. Dad was a professor at Ole Miss. His mom was the librarian for 25 years at Oxford High School. He is Ole Miss. Works in the SEC office, the number two to Sankey. He's got to ask himself, does he want Ole Miss now or potentially the SEC in 10, 11, 12, 15 years, whenever Greg Sankey leaves? So interesting to see that he's applied, knowing that he does have interest. I think that would be a home run hire. But as far as how he would handle this Matt Luke situation, I don't know. I just do know that Keith would give him another year and John Hartwell, likely, unless something unforeseen, because Dave Aranda is a guy that he really, really likes. So you're right. 
there is a lot up in the air in regards to what the Ole Miss football situation will be in a month. What we do know as well is that a new AD, and I've had this confirmed to me by three separate sources, a new AD will be in place by no later than Thanksgiving. And they're working to have it done before that. That's a quick, quick process, but I think everyone would welcome a quick process. This needs to be a quick process. You know who the candidates yeah. are. And on top of that, if you want to make a decision about your head coach, you got to do it before December 10th. So you have to have that AD in place by the Egg Bowl because, I mean, most coaching cancellations, coaching hires, whatever you'll say, happen in the two-week period between the end of the regular season and the start of bowl season because you have to have a coach in place for the early signing period now. It's completely non-negotiable. If you do not have a coach in place for the early signing period, your recruiting class falls apart. So it's good that they're moving fast if they want to make a change. But if they don't end up moving fast, it becomes borderline irresponsible to make a change. I get what you're saying, and I think that's necessary. But I also think it might just be a product of when the early signing period is now. I think so. They need to make a decision. I don't think anything is 100% decided. If I had to handicap it, I would certainly assume and be betting on the fact that Matt Luke is going to be back for another year. But I don't think anything is set in stone right now. And that's why expediting that timeline with an athletics director allows you to at least have your guy come in, assess, and make the call he feels is necessary, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally think that makes sense. And I think that, yeah, if you hire somebody on Thanksgiving night and he fires Matt Luke the next day, well, then the fix was in. But if there is a little bit of time to think about it, yeah, I mean, any any AD would be justified in making their own decision. That's that's what you bring an AD in to do. Yeah, for sure. And Matt Corral, his future's up in the air. There are going to be other transfers, too. Miles Battle, I fully yeah. expect to transfer. You need to hold on to your core. John Rice Plumley's not going anywhere. Jerry Ely's not going anywhere. Jonathan Mingo and Dennis Jackson, I was told yesterday, no need to worry about those guys. They're here. But you're not utilizing those players. You should be. And that goes back to my criticism of Rich Rod of not trusting John Rice to be able to make even basic throws over the middle or give him short to intermediate passes that are relatively easy completions to get him to a rhythm, be it screen actions or bubble outs for your wide receivers. Just something that's not the two pass plays he throws, which are a rollout to the sideline or that Elijah Moore deep throw down the left hash. I mean, that's just got to stop. You've got to be able to diversify your passing game. It's like they refuse to do that with him. I don't know if it's that they're scared of it or so much as they want to protect him. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I would love to know that. And if you ask Rich Rod, if you ask Matt Luke, if you ask any of them, they're not telling you anything. Yeah, the closest thing I've gotten to an answer about this whole situation is that every pass play seems to be based off an RPO draw read. And maybe Plumley has too quick of a trigger on the reading the draw and going for it himself. Yeah. Or maybe they need to call some straight pass plays where you have more than three receivers running routes. And I don't want to get into this whole, well, if you don't max protect, then the blocking is going to be worse. I get all that. I think that's logical. But if you are sending three receivers out on every pass play and you're keeping your running backs in for the RPO, you're limiting where you can go. And maybe that's why Elijah's the only player getting open because if a team's dropping four in coverage and you have three routes, then 
the defense is going to have better numbers. And if the defense is dropping five or six, like a lot of teams do, then look at that. You're going to potentially have players double covered or double zoned every time. Maybe the receivers need to do a a better job of getting separation. Maybe the play calls need to allow for the receivers to do a better job of getting separation. And maybe Rich Rod just likes throwing to the sideline. When was the last time that there was a deep post over the middle? I can't remember when this season. I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, it's a situation where there's a lot of factors that are contributing to this passing game being a mess. And it's not like Corral comes in and suddenly he's throwing 10-yard ins and he's throwing deep flag patterns and he's diversifying it. It's they're still running a seven yard out route to Elijah and they're still running a slot fade to Elijah and they're still running these dink and dunk swings. If there's a check down, there's no diversity to the passing attack uh, from route, from progression, any of that stuff. And I think that contributes to a lot of the issues. What can't be lost in this decision about Matt Luke and whoever the athletics director is, I've heard this sentiment out there that, if Matt Luke is let go, there's going to be mass transfers and it's going to do more damage than good. Ole Miss has been down this path before. And Matt Luke salvaged A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, kept him on campus. That was a big deal because colleges were calling those kids like crazy. I mean, hell, Jim Harbaugh flew into IHOP to get Shea Patterson. And Shea Patterson tried to recruit Greg Little, Javon Patterson, and a handful of others to come with him, Van Jefferson to Michigan. He was the only one that made that jump. Van Jefferson went to Florida. But that's a short-term concern for what should be a long-term outlook to where if you're decided upon that Matt Luke is your guy, great, surround him with everything he needs to be successful. And I think they are close, but the excuses in regards to them being young, the sophomore class falls at the feet of Matt Luke. There's an argument that they threw that class together in two months. You can't have the young, we're young excuse and then not take credit for the sophomore class not being very good. But I come back to say the economy in Oxford, Mississippi is completely reliant upon football and football being good. And if you're worried about the short-term effects of losing some players and being bad for a year or two, you're not thinking about the long-term effects of this town itself and of this university. Enrollment's going to be down again. Businesses are hurting. All the new developments, they're popping up all across town. They're having a hard time filling those condos and apartments and houses because football is not being successful. As excited as you might be for Ole Miss basketball, maybe Ole Miss baseball, football is the bell cow. So if you're worried about all that short-term stuff, like the players leaving or whatever, that can no longer be a consideration because fans aren't showing up in the apathy and the anger and the lack of success with football right now is hurting not just on the field, but off the field as well in the entire economy of Oxford, Mississippi. Those have to be weighed, but the only person that can weigh that and can make a decision is whoever the AD is that gets hired by at least Thanksgiving. And I don't know if he's going to have the timeline, he or she is going to have the timeline should it be Thanksgiving that the hires make, because that's the Egg Bowl, to make such a huge, huge decision. And that's the predicament that Ole Miss finds itself in. Yeah, I mean, even if you want to extend what you were talking about earlier with Aranda, is he going to want to begin discussions for uh, maybe getting hired as a head coach while he's preparing for maybe an SEC championship game, for maybe a college football playoff? Is that going to push the potential hire if it's Dave Aranda even further back? 
there are some other candidates too who maybe might be preparing for a football game the week after the Egg Bowl or preparing for multiple football games the week after the Egg Bowl. And that just makes it harder and harder to, to fit the timeline of getting somebody in by early December if, if you make the change off Luke. It's, it's a very complicated situation Ole Miss is faced with. We'll get right back to Nick Suss, Clarion Ledger Ole Miss beat reporter here on Talk of Champions after this brief word from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Don't look now, but the holiday season is almost upon us. That special time of year to spend with family and friends, and that includes spoiling your loved ones. And what better way to spoil them than with a new car? Now, the car buying process, no one loves it. That's why the only place to go, the only place I've ever gone, is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. And there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Sinatobia, Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind, addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And that means you can expect to learn all of the features of the specific new Ram 1500, 2500, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, Dodge Charger, or Chrysler Pacifica you're interested in in the market for a used car. Their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory. And when the time comes for you to drive home your next car, their auto finance team is standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. Alan Samuels of Oxford truly has every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how they can best serve you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Matt Luke has done a good job of making Ole Miss competitive. That's true. They're not getting embarrassed every single week. There was a time when Ole Miss was not even competitive against Alabama, LSU, Auburn, you name it. But now they're competitive. They're in these games. I was talking to one person yesterday, and this person is a high-ranking official, and he made a good point. Matt Luke has checked almost every box so far but the win-loss record. And that's when I said, wait, that's the only box that matters is wins and losses. And in every winnable game, I think it was four of them this year, that's being conservative. Four winnable games, he lost every single one of them. And if he loses the Egg Bowl, he'll be 3-15 and versus the SEC West in three seasons. And his wins came one against the Mississippi State team without Nick Fitzgerald and two against an Arkansas team that hasn't won an SEC game since it came back from a 31-7 to deficit against Matt Luke in 2017. And one of those wins, Arkansas lost its starting quarterback. So while you're competitive, and that's good, and you're recruiting at a competitive level to give yourself some backing as far as what you can be, the results have to come. Yeah, I would say there's another box that matters, and that's the other one that Matt hasn't checked. And we'll probably end up talking about this a little bit later. But uh, the stadium uh, is a bit of a box that yeah. he has not checked. And, and that one's going to ultimately matter quite a bit if the numbers work out the way I think they will by the end of this year. Over under 22,000 in New Mexico State? It'll be announced around 30. Of course uh, I mean, I'm set, So I can't say what the exact thing is, but my expectation is around 24. And that's bad. For Ole Miss football, a team that in 2015-16 went to the Sugar Bowl, and three years later, you're drawing 22,000. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. 
It's an opportunity late in the day, spend a day in the Grove, go watch some Ole Miss football. There are now beer sales in the stadium, and you're only going to get 22,000 people in there? It's it's a a tough thing because I still think there are going to be 40,000, 50,000 people at the Grove. It's just a matter of getting those people from the Grove into the stadium. Yeah. What's the Egg Bowl going to be like? Oh, I still think that State's going to get a good number of people into that stadium, especially if they're – competing for their for their fifth or sixth win or probably sixth win it would be for them if there's a bowl on the line and they got to beat Ole Miss to do it I think they'll put 50 60,000 people in there but it's also Thanksgiving night people don't want to travel I get all that so this whole Thanksgiving series might have been a a harm in disguise for these teams but who knows it's going to be interesting to see who lasts longer at his current school Moorhead or Luke um I think that Moorhead has a slightly easier turnaround just based off of the fact that the team he inherited was a little bit stronger and easier to build than the team Luke inherited. But I think there is a significantly higher chance that Moorhead leaves on his own volition than Luke. So I think you have to weigh those two, uh, those two factors pretty strongly against one another. What do you make of Willie Taggart getting bought out already? I make it that college football is a cutthroat business, and a lot of times you make decisions that are much more emotional than they are logical. You look at Willie Taggart's career, he was dreadful his first year at pretty much every job he took. And then that second year, he had a big turnaround. And I think that Florida State was expecting that there would be a big turnaround year two, and it hasn't been as big as people wanted Taggart hasn't been able to sign a freshman quarterback at any point during his uh, tenure at Florida State. And there are just so many issues there. But I still think it was probably premature unless they know for a fact they can go out and get somebody like Bob Stoops that they're targeting or Josh Heupel or any of those guys. But I don't know. I I think that's going to be a tough thing for them to do. I bring up Willie Taggart because if you forget, he was the number one target for Ross Bjork before Matt Luke ended up being the hire for head coach. I always wonder what Willie Taggart would have been like at Ole Miss. I think it would have been a good fit. Yeah? I do. I I think that he's such a good recruiter that you can go out and rejuvenate this program with talent, even during the probation, maybe a little better than Luke did just from the perspective of he's great at attracting men on the campus. But – I don't know. As an X's and O's coach, maybe he leaves a little to desire. But we've talked about this so many times, Ben. It would have been different. It would have been a different hire. And I think ultimately, fresh blood is good blood a lot of the time. I'm going to be honest with you. And this is going to come across as controversial. And it shouldn't. It feels like it's time for Ole Miss to have its first African-American head coach. Willie Taggart would have been great. Dino Babers would work. I think so. I think that there is a lot to be said if that about, coach is the best candidate, yeah. and all, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said about, hey, do something different. If you just keep the same barrage of the same coach over and over again, you shouldn't expect different results. you got to try and go after a different profile of a candidate, a different scheme of candidate, a different age, a different race, something different. Because at the end of the day, if they keep hiring carbon copies of the same coach – the results aren't going to be all that different than they were before. If you're Arkansas, would you not take Dino Babers over Chad Morris right now? Why did you hire Chad Morris? You could have had Dino Babers. Yeah, I think that 
the the logic behind Chad Morris is they were just trying to capture some Clemson magic. But I think people conveniently forget that Clemson hit its true peak after Chad left. And it was and with a lot SMU, of Chad's players. SMU, sure. Sonny Dykes, and SMU after Chad leaves. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, I think that SMU, you can't ignore those are his players. But Clemson, you can't even say they were all his players. Um, yeah, it's it's Chad Morris I like as a coach. I think he's a great play caller. Maybe he's in a, over his head as a head coach in a Power 5 conference. But if he goes back down to the group of five next year, I could see him being a, a, a valuable head coaching commodity for a, a team with expectations a little lower than Arkansas. That voice you hear is Nick Suss. He writes for the Jackson Clarion Ledger, and this is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave that five-star review. Say whatever you want about me. You can hate me. You can love me. If it's five stars, I'm all good. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Zach Boone, Ole Miss baseball strength and conditioning coach, coming up right now on the Modern Woodman phone line. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, it's Zach Boone. He's a strength and conditioning coach for Ole Miss Baseball, and he joins us on the Modern Woodman phone line. Zach, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Ben. It's good. It's good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, man, for coming on and doing this. Fall ball, about two weeks left, I think. This week and next week yeah. left for Ole Miss Baseball. Right. From a strength and conditioning standpoint, what do y'all do during fall baseball season? Fall baseball is kind of unique. It's almost a hybrid. You know, we're still in a fall off season, so development is important for us this time of the year. But you've got to keep a good balance with, you know, all the baseball that we're doing. So, you know, we've got inner squads going on. We're practicing five or six days a week. Um, so what I do is, like I said, I, I almost split the difference between what we would do in a, an eight-hour week where there's not nearly as much baseball happening and what we would do in season, like the spring. So right now we're lifting three days a week. Um, those lifts are about 45, 50 minutes. Still trying to continue to build, you know, on what we worked on the first six weeks before we got into fall ball, you know, trying to get a lot of these young guys stronger, more physical, uh, some of the older guys fine-tuning a little bit more, you know, developing other areas because strength is is there for most of them, although we can always get a little stronger. But, you know, focusing on maybe speed and power and, and you know, getting more mobile and more durable with some of those older guys. But, yeah, it's a tough balance. It's a little unique. Um, like I said, it's almost, it's almost a hybrid between the spring and a true fall off season. Was there a particular point of emphasis – for those six weeks of the off season leading up to 
fall ball. I mean, every year I feel like a strength and conditioning coach has something they want to focus on this year particularly. Is it that way for you? Yeah. I mean, for us, it's always gaining a good level of conditioning, uh, good general physical preparedness in those first six weeks. You know, if our guys are in, they don't need to be in like soccer shape necessarily, but you know, a lot of people don't understand baseball practice is tough, man. We're out there three hours. It's hot. We got middle infielders running side to side, fielding ground balls, outfielders tracking balls, doing a lot of drill work. You know, they got to be explosive in the cages over and over, explosive off the mound over and over. So if you're not in great shape, you can't practice at a high level. And if you can't practice at a high level, you can't get better. So a lot of our training is to get in shape, to be able to practice better. Um, Those six weeks is a big part of that. Also, just developing good basic levels of strength, which will help us progress into other aspects a little bit later, kind of like where we are right now. But, you know, physically, that's it. And then, you know, throughout the summer, it started with our incoming guys, and then we continued it through the fall. You know, we're we're trying to develop some leadership here, Um, always trying to find guys that can, you know, we can count on in tough times, you know, giving them maybe responsibilities during the lift to lead teammates, seeing what they've got. Um, you know, we, we're using the phrase iron sharpens iron all fall, uh, you know, because the best teams are player led. You know, the best teams set their own bar at a very high level. They set expectations at a high level. You know, they hold each other accountable. Um, so, you know, from a cultural standpoint, you know, just getting behind everything Coach B has been preaching and, and you know, pounding those things specifically in the weight room. Pitchers, infielders, outfielders, is their experience in the weight room all the same, or is there different areas you might tweak for a particular skill set for a position? Yeah, you know, with everybody, like I mentioned, you want to have that good general physical preparedness. With everybody, you're going to try to develop a basic level of strength. Um, And a lot of that's achieved in the same way, regardless of position. Where it gets different, you know, and it it does get more different even in fall ball and then in the spring is once they have those things, what can we do next? Uh, You know, are there specific things with a pitcher from a mobility standpoint that we can address to help make them better on the mound? You know, we do a lot of assessments with our trainer, Josh Porter, and, you know, Carl Lafferty is all over this stuff as well, but testing things like ankle mobility and, you know, thoracic mobility and, you know, everything that you could imagine. And then if we see guys that get flagged as, you know, being below what we'd like, um, then yeah, we can get a little bit more specific and, you know, to their position or even to them as an individual and address some of those things. Um, you know, I don't, as far as taking care of arms, I take care of our position players arms a lot. Like I would take care of a pitcher. Cause I mean, you know, they've got to be able to make a lot of throws and they need to feel good up there as well. So it doesn't mean we don't attack weights and get after it in here. It's just we always keep that in mind, whether it's a position player or a hitter. Um, I guess the biggest difference is, you know, when you get past, again, those basics, you know, mobility is so important with, with pitchers. And, you know, you get after it a little bit more with speed work with our, our position players since that's such an important part of their game. All right, so going to the newcomers a little bit, before I get your impressions on them, if Ben Garrett, who'd signed with Ole Miss, walks into your weight room for the first time, what could I expect? Uh, you can expect being held accountable. You know, we, we want our guys to do things a certain way. Um, you know, that's a big part of what a strength coach's role is. 
the, the head coach, Coach Bianco, sets a lot of expectations. He wants things done a certain way. It's my job, especially in the summer when they're not able to interact with them a whole lot, it's my job to make sure that they're learning how to be on time. They're learning how to give energy when it's time to go. You know, we're a program based on, we talk energy and uplifting people and being positive all the time. So, you know, if you walk into our weight room, you better believe you're going to be asked to do the same in here because you're going to be asked to do that on the field. So attention to details, you know, showing up, bringing energy, um, getting outside of just yourself and, and looking to uplift teammates when possible. And then we're always going to work hard. You know, that shouldn't have to be coached. That's an expectation here. Um, work ethic is something that I've never, honestly, I was very fortunate to walk into a culture like this where I don't have to really talk work ethic, work ethic a whole lot. These guys come in and work because they know that's expected across the board. So how quickly would my out-of-shape ass pass out <laughs> under your workout program? Yeah, you know what? We're, you may think that, but we got a lot of guys who come in here and they're in terrible shape. And it's my job to know where they're starting. You know, we dip our toes in the water the first couple of weeks. It's a lot of movement-based execution. It's a lot of very easy conditioning. Um, you need that to get acclimated. But at some point, it ramps up, and you do need to test yourself, and you do need to really get after it and see what you've got in the tank. And, you know, some of that just goes to you know, developing a mentality that, hey, I know this is going to suck. I know it's going to be hard, but it's for the team. It's important. It's going to make me better. You know, let's get in the mindset of, hey, I didn't know if I could do this when I got here, but I trust the training. I trust all the work I've put in. Let's get after it. Let's do it. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess – a couple of weeks and you'd be, you'd be right in the swing of things, but we don't come out and bury anybody right away. Oh, that's disappointed. I was hoping you were going to say, Oh, Ben, <laughs> uh, I would have you passed out in about eight minutes. We certainly could. That's easy. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's something easy that a lot of strength coaches could do. The hard part is to make guys that are at that level start to feel better about themselves and more confident and feel like they can go out and, you know, attack the world at the end of the summer. When they got here, they, they didn't know if they could run a lap without getting out of breath and damn near killing over, but you know, develop that level of confidence throughout this summer and fall. You know, that's, that's the hard part, you know, making people tired is easy. So what has been in your impression of the newcomers? You got a lot of good talented kids come in the number two class in the country. How have they done so far in your room? Man, they've been terrific. Um, I'd say it's the best summer I've had as a baseball strength coach. Um, not a ton of years, I believe this is the, the sixth summer I've been working with baseball. Um, but it's been the best summer. Um, guys came in, like I said, the work ethic was unreal. We got a lot of energy givers, Derek Diamond, Peyton Chatagnier, for instance, stand out right away. Those guys, just a lot of great energy. Um, you know, they, they hold each other accountable this summer. They were holding each other accountable this summer, you know, doing a lot of the things that we hope to get out of them in the long term. they were doing right away. Uh, they're super athletic. You know, we got a freshman here, Connor Walsh, who's already broken the program record for a 60, running a 628 laser time, which is unreal. Um, but yeah, they've they've been super impressive. They worked hard. Um, they've definitely elevated the level of our training. Even when these you know returners got back in the fall, I think they could tell that this was a different group of young guys that are super physical and super athletic and. You know, it's it's made us have a really good fall so far because of that. 
Peyton Chatagnier's had a really good fall offensively, defensively, really put himself in a position to have a meaningful role going into the season in February. Is it fair to say that's a direct result of his approach first to the offseason program and getting his body right and getting prepared for the demands of college baseball? I think so. Um, I think it's contributed. Obviously, he's a great player. Um, but he's, I think, exceeded some of our expectations. Um, I think he's exceeded, you know, some of his, you know, the, the doubles he's been hitting and some of the home runs that he hasn't exactly been known for. I think he would say that the weight room has definitely helped him at the plate in that aspect. But, you know, it all starts, like I talked about earlier, with, you know, his mentality, uh, his positive energy. He's such a good teammate. He's easy to root for. So guys, you know, love getting behind him. And I think, you know, him just being positive and, and being really confident helps him with everything he does. You know, he's not the strongest freshman. He's not the fastest freshman, but he's probably our, you know, biggest energy giving freshman, um, probably our most confident freshman. So those things alone, and then you add a little bit of the training, which has obviously helped him, you know, those things all put together have really helped him come out and surprise a lot of people and have a great fall. Thomas Dillard was an absolute workout warrior. You look at those boards you'll have and every number Thomas Dillard was up there pretty much. So yeah. who are your workout monsters this year? Kel Baker looks like a monster. He looks like he'd go in there and push up some weight. <laughs> Kel Baker's got the biggest bench. You know, he, he tossed around 275 three times yesterday on the Jeez. bar. You know, we're time of the year. Yeah, you don't expect that out of a baseball guy, but and it's not like we train for it either. We we do the movement because I believe it's a good movement for, you know, upper body strength, you know, shoulder stability, a lot of positives, but we don't do it to get better at bench. It's just a result of the training. You know, we don't bench nearly as much as a lot of programs probably do that have big bench guys, but he's just so strong that he can put up, you know, that solid weight for a baseball player and put that up easy. Um, Connor Walsh is a freak in here, you know, not only fast and explosive, but really strong. I don't know that we have anyone to Thomas Dillard's level. I don't know that we'll ever have anyone again <laughs> to his level. He was one of a kind. Um, you know, I've been at Florida as an assistant in Illinois for a couple of years before coming here, and there's no one even in his realm. But, you know, Baker is really strong. You know, Tyler Keene's got a strong lower half. He loves the deadlift especially. I think that's really a good movement for him. Um, Knox Laposter is just a little ball of muscle. Um, you know, our pitchers, we got Tyler Myers, who's extremely strong, Greer Holston, extremely strong. Um, you know, a lot of guys, those are the ones that pop out to me right away. But yeah, I mean, collectively this group, although we don't have a Thomas Dillard collectively, this group is very strong and athletic. One of the most athletic teams I've had. I told Thomas a number of times he's effectively, if Mike Allstott decided to play baseball, that's how he was built. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're exactly right. He has a lot of those numbers, and like I mentioned about Kale, like we don't even train for those numbers. Like I have him do a lot of what we call dynamic effort work, which is lighter weight moves really fast because he doesn't need to get any stronger. He can already hit the ball a mile, but what we could do is get him a little faster, a little bit more explosive. Mobility was always a thing with him. Um, so we, we strive to do all of that in our training, but you got to let the guy eat a little bit every once in a while. He likes to lift heavy, so there are times where we let him go, and those are the numbers he puts up. I mean, he could be world-class lifter if he really wanted to. He's got those types of genetics. You talked about building leadership in that room. Who's really taken on that role? We'll get right back to Zach Boone, Ole Miss baseball strength and conditioning coach. 
after this brief word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, it's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford Square, offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store. Maybe you'll get a drink at the brewery. Maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the Lamar will have once development is done. Build out is happening right now, so get in while you can. The houses are modern, open concept, one bedroom, two bedroom, whatever you're looking for in a home, the Lamar has the perfect spot for you. But you want to learn more, so call John Welty today, 662-638-6710. That's 662-638-6710. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. The Lamar is hot. The only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home, Oxford, Mississippi. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. At Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Um, you know, some of the guys I had mentioned, uh, Tyler Keenan has been way more vocal this year. He's done a great job. You know, he's always been a good player, but as a junior, one of the older position guys on this team, he knew he needed to take a step up and be a little bit more vocal. And he's done that led by example and a lot more vocal. Anthony Cervideo has just been a constant professional. Um, asked more of him as well, being a junior and, you know, he's someone who's not, you know, someone who likes to talk a lot by nature, but he's gotten out of his shell and done a lot more of that for us this year, especially with me in the weight room. He's been very solid. Um, Tim Elko, always good. You know, another good leadership guy. He's got a lot of energy as well. Um, he's been great for us, you know, from the pitching side, a lot of young new guys, but, uh, you know, Greer Holston has been solid. Max Chofie's a veteran guy that's always bringing a lot of energy. He's been pretty solid too. So those are a lot of the main ones. Um, the good thing about us so far, you know, and especially in the stuff that I do in training is while those are our main leaders, um, this group just knows how to work. So they just come in here and, and they get stuff done, whether it's practice or lift or whatever, without having to be you know, motivated all the time. Cause 
sometimes you just got to get up and do stuff that you don't necessarily want to do, but you need to do. And this group does a pretty good job of that. You spent three years at Illinois, uh, worked alongside two MLB draft first round picks, had 11 overall picks in three seasons with the Illini. What made Ole Miss the right fit for you when you made a move? Uh, just uh, the culture down here, you know, with baseball being so important to the university, you know, obviously it's an SEC baseball job. It's the premier conference in baseball, um, especially. And uh, the culture at Ole Miss, there's not an environment like it. I don't think there's another head coach that supports lifting like Coach Bianco does. As you can see from our facilities that we have, it's a one-of-a-kind weight room. Um, I knew that we were, you know, if I were to get the job, we would be getting a new weight room and I'd have a lot of influence on that, which was an awesome part of it. Uh, But I had no idea that it would be to the scale that it is. You know, when I got here and we really started to get into it, you know, 8,200 plus square feet, everything brand new inside, you know, it's, it's massive. It's a strength coach's dream. So, you know, all of those things, you know, coach Bianco, the SEC, the facilities, the support of, you know, the community and university for baseball. There's not a better baseball job in the country. I don't think. You mentioned it, the new facilities, um, for fans who haven't walked through it, it's hard to put into words because I've been through it, just all the amenities that are available. They basically got every single thing they need in one spot. If you had to explain to someone who's mm-hmm. not been able to see it yet, uh, how would you describe it to them? Yeah, it, it really is one of a kind. You know, and like I said, we were, I was fortunate I got here and uh, I wasn't sure what they had set and what I could change and everything. And Coach B was like, hey, do what you want to do with the place. Just, you know, run stuff by us, make sure it fits with what we can do. And got with a company called Sornex, who's one of the top of the, you know, the top of the line and exercise equipment. And, uh, you know, they were great. They put everything in like a, like a 3d scale. So you could see how it would lay out and you could see how it would look. Um, yeah, every single rack that we have, we have 14 of them, um, has rebels on it. It's, you know, got our Navy in red, on the back side of these racks, we've got custom lat pull downs and low rows that have an old Miss emblem on them. We've got a cable column so we can do any of our cable pulley exercises right at the rack. Two complete sets of dumbbells from five to 125. Um, 14 benches that we can wheel out from the racks if we want to use for those dumbbells. And that's only half the room. You know, that's just the side with the racks and the heavier equipment. Then we've got another half of the room where you know we, we put a big turf area that allows us to do a ton of things within our training, but obviously the ones that come to mind is a lot of speed and conditioning work up there. Um, efficiency is probably the number one thing you get out of this weight room, other than like the off factor when you walk in. We can do lifts that may take an hour or more in another weight room that's not quite as fluid in the setup, or maybe you know not quite as much of anything. You know, like I said, we got 14 racks and a ton of dumbbells and med balls and everything that we need spaced out. We can do a lift that may take an hour plus somewhere else. We can do it here in 45 minutes. You know, and time is such an issue in today's athletics. You got to be compliant with the amount of hours you have these guys here. And you don't want to keep them here longer than you have to. So for us to be able to pop up here right after a practice and not have to wait for another team to get out of the weight room um, or not have to lift at 6 a.m. because we can lift whenever we want throughout the day. And then to be able to condense that amount of time that we're in the weight room down to about 45 to 50 minutes and still get all the work we need. It's, I mean, I've mentioned that to recruits every time they walk through here. I was like, you don't realize how big of a deal that is. I mean, that will 
literally saved you days throughout your career here. Like literally saved you days of time throughout your career here. So how eager are you when you're watching John Rice Plumley and Jerry Ailey breaking <laughs> long runs on Saturdays to get them into your weight room? Yeah, no, I just tell uh, Coach Jack he's going. He's going, man, because those boys look good. Um, I can't wait to watch him play. Coach Jack and I will have conversations about how that how that plays out. You know, we've communicated before they got here, obviously, but you know, it'll be a, a collaborative effort. We want to continue to make sure they're doing what they need to for football and just let their athleticism kind of take over over here. But, yeah, I mean, obviously as a strength coach, the two things that get me fired up are, you know, from a hitter's perspective, I tell our guys home runs and bunt singles. You know, I love speed. So we should have plenty of pop and plenty of speed from both of those guys. Yeah, how does it work when you're dealing with such a unique situation like this with another strength coach? How do you communicate and how do you make sure that they're getting done what they need to get done for football, but also the points of emphasis you might have for them for baseball? Yeah, well, the good thing with them is they're both position players. And like I've mentioned earlier, I mean, there are some differences in maybe the lifts that we do, Coach Jack and I, but, you know, I train our hitters like they're athletes. You know, we, we want athletic guys. We want fast guys. We want strong guys. Coach Jack's doing the same thing. So I don't think the training really has to change a whole lot, you know, for convenience for those guys, there may be days where they train over here instead of at football. Um, you know, if it works better and then certainly I'll be handling them when we travel on the road, cause I'll be there with them. But, you know, it just takes a lot of communication. You know, he's done such a great job with them as everyone can see with how athletic and you know how good they look on the field. It's not like we have to change anything for baseball there's just a few considerations. And like I said, maybe some, some facility usage issues, like where do they lift? What time do they lift? Um, but we would collaborate on that. Well, last one, I'll let you go. What is the Omaha challenge? Yeah. Omaha challenge. It's, uh, it's coach Bianco's baby. Um, you know, he loves it and, and it's a really cool experience for me coming in here and get to be a part of it. Essentially it's a, it's a week long event. You know, it challenges guys physically and mentally, you know, in a way that they're not used to. Uh, our goal is to get them out of their comfort zone and see how they respond. Um, you know, and it's it's unique here. A lot of places do Omaha challenges, but it's unique here because Coach B puts such an emphasis on it. We shut baseball down for that week and just focus on strength conditioning, you know, whether it's getting a couple lifts and then everything Omaha challenge related, but all our resources get tossed into it. Um you know, he he obviously believes it's a, an important part of developing chemistry and toughness that can help us, you know, as we move forward into the spring. It's uh, it's a way to fine-tune our leadership, evaluate guys we think are leaders, or maybe an opportunity to find some guys that we didn't know they could lead, but you put them out there in a very physically grueling challenge, and you have some guys step up and uplift people and, you know, maybe you don't get to see that in just normal training and normal practice. So it helps us find some leaders, but that's the, I guess the spirit of the event. What we'll do is we'll draft four teams. We'll name captains at the end of this week uh, for Omaha challenge. And we'll, those four guys will draft teams of nine this year. Uh, we're going to pull in a manager to make it four teams of nine, a former player here, Michael Spears, and let him do a little bit of stuff with us. But, uh, then everything gets scored at the end of the week. We're going to have a, a team champion. So one of those four teams will be the team champion. And then everything's evaluated individually as well. Everything that can be evaluated individually is. 
and scored. So we will have a individual champion. And uh, this year it'll be unique because Ryan Olenek had been a three-time champion. He ran it three times in a row. So we will have a new guy this year. So it's wide open. It'll be fun to see how it plays out. Yeah. Is there any front runner in your mind right now, a favorite? If a, if I were a betting man on the Omaha Challenge, which no one can be, who would you yeah. handicap it for? I don't know, man. We try to be balanced here. We don't want it to be you know, slanted towards guys that are really fast and can jump well. Uh, we don't want it to be slanted totally towards guys that are just really strong and can pull sleds or push sleds. Um, you know, we don't reveal the event to them until the day before, actually. So they don't even know what it's going to be, although they have some ideas of some of the stuff that we do every year. Like I said, Connor Walsh, freak athlete. Um, we'll see if he's got the strength. You know, it's a lot of grip and carry stuff, which his legs are super strong. We're still trying to develop his upper body a little more. We'll see if he can carry enough stuff to keep him in it. Um, Logan Savell, sleeper pick. Not a lot of people have talked about him, um, you know, in baseball or in training, but that guy is sneaky athletic. And I think he finished top five last year. I think Josh Hall finished top five last year. Doug McKaysey is really good. I think those three freshmen were all top five last year. It's anyone's game. It really is. But those are some names to look out for. Well, put my fake money on Doug. I, I, I don't think people know. Yeah. yeah, he's a great decorated pitcher. He's desperate to go swing the bat in games. I doubt yeah. they let him do it much. But he's a freak athlete. The kid can play. Yeah, I know. He's, he's super skilled. He does everything pretty well. Like, we're not going to find something that he can't do well. He may not be the best at it, but everything that we do in here he does it really well so and he's obviously a competitor and can come up in the clutch which we love about him so he could be absolutely he's zach boone he's the strength and conditioning coach for Ole miss baseball thanks for doing this man i really appreciate it we'll talk soon sounds great appreciate you that was Ole miss baseball strength and conditioning coach zach boone on the modern woodman phone line this is talk of champions i'm ben garrett at spirit ben on twitter he's nick suss at Nick Suss, writes for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. Should be wherever you get your podcasts. But if we're not in a particular spot, let me know at Spirit Ben, and I'll make sure to get it there. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Back with me now is Nick Suss. He writes for the Jackson Clarion Ledger covering Ole Miss. My thanks to Zach Boone, Ole Miss baseball strength and conditioning coach, joining me on the Modern Woodman phone line. Time to talk a little Ole Miss basketball. Only got about 10 minutes left in this edition of Talk of Champions. They hosted Mississippi College for an exhibition on Monday. 69-43 to was the final score. K.J. Buffin played really well offensively, 21 points. Last year, he only had five games in which he scored double-digit points. So to come out, I grant you, against Mississippi College, but to come out and to put on the performance that he did, 8 of 11, I think, from the floor, pretty impressive. No perimeter shots, but if not for him, Ole Miss really struggled offensively in the first half. I think my biggest takeaway, Nick, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well, is that Ole Miss, a lot of talent, you can see it, it's going to take them some time. 
they're not quite cohesive yet. They don't have that chemistry yet. Yeah, and I think that some of it has to do with players not trusting each other yet. I don't know if it's a cohesion thing so much as it's a people seem to think when the ball is in their hands, it's a better idea than when the ball is in somebody else's hands. Kermit brought up that there were at least six turnovers on Monday night purely based on overdribbling. There are situations where the ball got sticky and Devontae Shuler couldn't find somebody in the middle of the court or Brian Tyree just heaved up a shot or a freshman player that doesn't have much experience yet was taking a shot that missed by five feet. There, There's a lot of hero ball going on, and, and that's to be expected of an early season exhibition just because the team hasn't grown together yet, and there's really only three players on this team playing right now who have any measure of significant experience. And one of them, KJ Buffin really didn't start very much at all last season. So it's about two guys with significant experience. And it's, it's a team that I think if it can win two of its five marquee non-conference games, it's going to be in a really good position come January, but it's going to take a lot to get good enough to win any of those marquee non-conference games uh, in the next month. That's, that's pretty much the time they have to prepare. Hadim C. did not start. Carlos Curry did, but it had nothing to do with performance. Hadim C. was in concussion protocol from Friday until Monday morning when he was cleared. You could tell that he had a little bit of rust in the first half. Second half played really well. Offensively, they yeah. ran some actions for him. Ended up getting five rebounds in the second half after being shut out in the first. Caught some passes, some entry passes that he was fumbling in the first half. Hadim C is going to be fine, but which newcomer most impressed you off of one game of scouting and evaluation? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think that if I had to pick a newcomer, I'd go with Crowley. I kind of liked the way he moved around the court. Uh, He kind of looked pretty good defensively and offensively he seemed like he fit to me i look at this team and if and when blake hinson comes back they'll probably be fine in the front court fine to maybe a little better than fine my question is if Devonte or brian gets banged up at all like Devonte did a little bit at the beginning of last season what do they do who is the next guard off the bench because then you start to look at it and there's absolutely no proven options. So they need somebody like Crowley to step up and maybe he can be that third guard that this team can rely on. And if last night's very, very small sample with any indication, give him a few weeks and maybe he can be that guy. Luis Rodriguez did not have a good start. <laughs> no. Very good. I asked Kermit after the game, I had this note I'd written in my notebook about Luis strong all season. I knew what was coming. I knew that my note was about to be blown up because you looked at the stat line, it was bad. But I asked the question, anything good you can draw from Luis Rodriguez's start tonight? And Kermit just lit into him. Didn't rebound and defensively just was not engaged or was getting eaten alive. But the biggest thing, no rebounds. Showed a pretty good shot from the perimeter, which he didn't have last year. And you can tell that the driving actions are there. But if Monday is any indication, if Luis Rodriguez is not going to rebound, and he's not going to defend at an elite clip, and he's supposed to be one of the better on-ball defenders, overall defenders on this team, he's going to lose minutes quick. Again, this is way too reactionary from one exhibition game against Mississippi College, but Luis Rodriguez did not have his first taste be all that positive. Yeah, and realistically, uh, the expectation for Luis should be be a valiant replacement starter for the first four to six games and then try to be a sixth man the way KJ Buffin was last year. 
Blake Henson's going to fill that spot in the starting lineup when he comes back. And that should be the expectation unless Luis starts putting up 12 a game and getting eight rebounds a game and, and shows his merit there. And then you can have the discussions. But for now, you need Luis to be Luis for a month and a half. And if he can't give you that, you got to find somebody else who can give some sort of spark as the fifth man in the lineup. I don't care what position it is. If you have to play two trees and start both Carlos Curry and Hadim C, do it. You just need your five best guys on the court until Blake comes back. And I still expect that to be Luis when it's all said and done. But uh, he didn't show it against MC. They do need Blake Kinson back. And he got a good report November 1st, went back to see the doctors and was told that he could be cleared for contact by the 16th of November, the latest being the 20th, still falls in line, I think, with that targeted return date at Memphis. Could return earlier, Ole Miss hosts Seattle November 19th, so there is a chance for him to be back. But you could tell last night they need him. I know he's a sophomore, but he played, I think, the most games of any freshman since 2008 last year. He's a veteran, regardless of his classification. Yeah, he's a veteran, and he gives this team something that nobody else does, which is an ability to stretch the court with a big man. Because you mentioned Luis having a better three-point shot, and I did see that, but Blake is an actual shooter from the perimeter. And KJ, you saw his face last night when I asked him, why don't you shoot more? He looked like a deer in headlights. He doesn't like taking bad shots, so he's only going to shoot when he can guarantee he's going to make it. You need somebody like Blake who can... Make sure you're not clogging up the lane because Brian Tyree loves to drive so much. And if your offense is predicated on Brian getting to the foul line and getting through the lane, you can't have three big guys just crowding the lane because you have no spacing if that's your case. So that's where Blake really, really helps this team. And he's super valuable because he can do that. I like what I saw from Bryce Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Bryce was a, was a pretty good wing. I, I, I like that. What are you working on right now? A few things. I got a couple of things uh, going for basketball when the season starts on Friday. I've got a couple of stories down the pike for football about how this New Mexico State uh, game came to be, answering a couple of questions about attendance and quarterbacks and all of the fun stuff there. And then as we get closer to senior night next week, uh, maybe a few stories about some seniors that the fans have known for a little while. The number one Ole Miss story you're going to be most paying attention to that isn't the quarterback situation this week. I mean, other than the AD search? That's the obvious. Let, let's let's think of a football answer. I think that New Mexico State is a really strong booster shot test for LSU since they're going to be throwing the ball 60 times. It's your last test for can the secondary work against an offense that is as prolific against somebody like LSU. I was looking at the stats yesterday. This is unbelievable. Jalen Julius is second in the SEC in solo tackles this season. No way. For for your safety to be second in the entire conference in solo tackles. Lakia Henry is third. So Ole Miss has two players in the top three in the conference in solo tackles. And if your deep safety is getting that many solo tackles, that means you're getting beat pretty deep quite a bit. That needs to be fixed if you're not going to want LSU to hang 70 on you. Where's DeAndre Prince been? I don't know. So Auburn, he was only the – he only came in in nickel packages against Auburn. And because Auburn runs such a downhill offense, they didn't run nickel as much. So that's why he didn't play as much in that game. But if you look at the games before, he was on the field but not making as much of a difference. That's a little harder to explain. 
Well, thank you for doing this, my friend. Tell the people how they can follow you and check out your stuff. Yeah, do what Ben doesn't do and follow at Nick Suss on Twitter. To be fair, I do not follow Spirit Ben on Twitter. Yeah, yeah you don't want to start that. And go to clarionledger.com and read all my stuff. And uh, feel free to yell at me in public if you see me walking down the street. He's Nick Suss. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Ben. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.